Business Unusual, separating economic facts from fiction. It is Business Unusual here on ZFM Stereo. I'm Mona Lisa Dube. So at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020, the government approved disbursements of funds to the vulnerable. A report by the Auditor General revealed that some, if not most, of the intended beneficiaries did not actually receive these funds. And this prompted the Public Accounts Parliamentary Portfolio Committee to investigate and will be reviewing the findings in this report. Uh, my guest this evening in studio, I'm joined by Professor Gift Mugano, who is the Executive Director at the Africa Economic Development Strategies. Honorable Caston Mateo, he's a Member of Parliament uh, of the Marondera Central and has been very vocal on these findings. And I'm also joined by Admaya Mutize, who is uh, the Research and Information and Advocacy Coordinator at the Community Alliance for Human Settlements in Zimbabwe, who have partnered with us for this conversation. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time uh, to have this important conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Annalisa. Thank you, Mona Thank you. Now, uh, we're hoping to have Honorable Moliswa, who is a member of the Public Accounts Committee and not on legislator, on the phone. We will keep trying his number. And we are live streaming on our ZFM Stereo Facebook page. Now, I'll start with uh, you, Honorable Mateo. Um, you've gone through the report. And there have been a lot of issues of concern. I know it's extensive. It covers a lot of issues. But give us what you would say are... The highlights of the report okay uh, thank you very much um just to, it's a very extensive it um, definitely is. A report which we obviously took from the auto general's uh, report um all i can say the highlights are that um a lot of people were suffering uh, during the covid 19 period because they did just not did not go to work uh, did not go to school and many people are uh, lost a lot of money um, businesses and so forth so one of the highlights is that eight or nine million um, was channeled through net one um, to give to vulnerable uh, people uh, within Zimbabwe and um, <clears throat> when the the audit was done to check if the the money had actually gone to the intended recipients it was found that there was no real reconciliation right so you could not actually do your accounting uh, to check who got the money and just a snapshot of those who were um <clears throat> who were uh, interviewed by the auto general for example 88 people in boera district uh, who they were checking if they received the money actually confirmed they did not receive the money that's one of the highlights um uh, still on that still on that there were a lot of anomalies across the districts. I'll give example for in Mutari. In Mutari, for example, you had um, uh, 375 people who uh, who alleged to have got that money, but they had the same ID number, the same ID number, but different uh, date of births, uh, different uh, gender, and then <clears throat> when you check their id numbers with the registrar's office you would notice that those id numbers did not exist wow and that's just one and the other one uh a lot of food was being um donated by uh, wfp and other international donors the wfp for example in marsh west that donated 375 bags of millimil uh many boxes of uh, cooking oil all that did not go to the intended beneficiaries, but instead was given to staff. Right. Staff in the Ministry uh, of, of Public Service. So the, the beneficiaries did not actually um, receive anything. I could go on. So mm -hmm. those are just some of the, the highlights. Maybe we'll talk about more as we go on. Absolutely. So maybe uh, you highlighted an interesting point there that uh, about 88, which is really like a snub survey, 88 is not really a big number. Yeah. But even, even still, only... 
actually said no one from that had actually received anything. So I'm going to ask a question to our listeners on our platform 0731-168-045. Let us know. The report also said that um, uh, the databases were collected and my information information area let us know zero seven three one one six eight zero four five now um honorable Mateo you spoke about how there was um, uh, numbers of people that were uh, pulled together who compiled these databases and where did they actually get the information okay so basically the Ministry of Social Welfare keeps a number of vulnerable people within communities uh, but the number was very little <clears throat> because um, the government wanted to assist at least a million uh, people during the time. So even us members of parliament were asked to actually write uh, and take details of the vulnerable people that uh, we know um, within our constituencies. We asked our councillors to do that the same as well. Uh, there were a number of strategies used to collect these uh, these people. I can give you, for example, in Marondera, we, we collected over 23,000 uh, people's details mm -hmm. like massive but um of those twenty-three thousand, i don't know anyone i don't know anyone in marondra who actually received that money you actually checked i actually checked with mm -hmm. the people that i know obviously not all the twenty-three thousand, but um with the people that i know no one actually received anything from the government so uh, as, as a member of, as a member of parliament uh, i know that you have seatings in parliament uh, every 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 week have you reached out to the involved ministries and that's uh, in this case the ministry of public service as well as the local government ministry have you reached out to them to find out what has been the reason and if so what has been the response okay yes we did that and i think it was um it was today's what today's thursday it was on monday i think monday or tuesday we met with them at Cresta Lodge, uh, both the Ministry of Local Government and the, and the Ministry responsible for social welfare. Um, we had the PEMSECs and the staff in, in that ministry, and they are um, basically doing their own investigations um, to check what happened in terms of their staff. They are doing uh, an audit, uh, an internal audit as well, uh, to see um, why everything that went that way. But um, they say to us uh, that um, obviously the report said what it said, but um, <clears throat> indeed a lot of money had been given to, to the beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. But um, be because there was no proper recording, because they were talking about sh uh, staff shortages, right. there was a sh uh, you know, there were no staff. So basically they would say, for example, in a district you would have only three people, and none of those were accountants they were just social workers so they were saying there was a lot of missing receipts a missing paper uh, just because the people did not have the knowledge and government wasn't prepared there was a lot of uh, unpreparedness on, on on part of the government to disperse such money and this money was being dispersed through social workers who did not have any accounting background right so they said this contributed to the anomalies where uh, there was no reconciliation for example but they assured us um, in our meeting that um, they are now trying to recoup all those money from net one they said so far they've clawed back eight and nine million from unused sim cards so basically um government put money into sim cards mm -hmm. net one sim cards which were then supposed to be given to the beneficiaries who would then use that money for their intended purposes so they're saying that we have for so far clawed eight and nine that was actually going to be my back. next question to say yeah. do we know what happened to the funds if we are saying that the beneficiaries did not actually receive the money where is the money is it there is it in the bank account somewhere we spoke about a food that was given to the staff of mm. the ministry of local government as well as social <coughs> welfare mm. it is was it the same with the money do we know where the money is right now but uh, they say they are still following the money so some of them they said they they've clawed back eight or nine million um dollars so now uh, so, sorry 59 million uh, out of the 89 million that was dispersed so they are still trying to do the reconciliations across the country to see if they can get all the money uh, back professor Mgano, as an economist 
um, you of, of, of course have an interest in the way the country operates when you hear such reports what are your sentiments yeah it, 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 it worries me a lot uh, I also read the, the report and I uh, agree with honorable uh, for his uh, uh, top uh, highlights but the rampant level of corruption which has ex been exhibited in the report and uh, even the refusal with information if you follow the report carefully uh, I, I, there are conclusions which were made in each and every province because this report uh, dissects the whole country right province by province and in each province there is a conclusion that uh, the committee the parliamentary committee was not given the information and they set deadlines to get the information uh, from the responsible ministries. And when you look at the oversight role of parliament, and you see people running away with murder, and they are, they are not even afraid, they don't fear parliament, you get worried. Uh, and I like the context in which you are placing me as an economist, because uh, when you look at investments, as an example, investors would want to go and invest their money in a country where there is... Uh, um, law corruption, there's a respect of rule of law, and uh, every citizen should be law abiding. So, so when you look at the level of investment coming to Zimbabwe, this is one of the demonstrations why we don't get investments. Now, but what worries me, what is me more, uh, uh, Mona Lisa, is the fact that uh, we have standing uh, rules and regulations, uh, for example, in the public. Uh, Finance Management uh, Act, uh, Honorable can guide me here, He's yeah. the legislator, <laughs> uh, Section 91 uh, of the Public Finance Management Act has uh, got some, 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 some penalties for offenders who violate the uh, PFMA, right? And one of it is that um, you can be behind bars for, for five years, and you can, or you can pay a fine and I think the fines now are no longer quite restraining, but you can you there's a clause where you, you will be behind bars for five years. But when you read this report, there's a section where you see here that uh, the employee was dismissed because uh, 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 the person abused the funds. But is it in the statute? Is it in the, in the act that one must be dismissed, or one should be put behind bars to show that? Um, uh, there's enforcement of, of the of the legal framework which is available. So it worries a lot where the instruments are available and there's no enforcement. Now, look at Kenya, for example. When you look at the similar Public Finance Management Act of Kenya, Section 196, right? Uh, it tells you that if you flout or if you abuse resources of state resources, uh, you, you have to pay fine of 1 million shillings, which is equal to 8,500 U.S. dollars equivalent, if you use a rate of uh, one U.S. dollar is equal to 117 uh, shillings. Or you can be behind bars for two years or both. So you were saying that the laws here in Zimbabwe uh, makes it easy for someone to just do whatever without The laws are not penalized. respected by anyone and even the enforcers are not enforcing them. Right? So it, so it worries because... Uh, you look at the we are talking about COVID 19 here right right and government in its wisdom and we respect that they were supposed to give social safety nets to the public right but when you read this report you even have instances where people are assumed to have collected the money but they've never signed for that money do you want a rocket scientist to know that there was corruption because how can you say uh, even if you are a social worker right can you give someone money without asking the person to sign for? So the excuse, honorable, from the ministry are quite very disappointing. Because if, even if you are a historian, you know you can't give someone money without allowing the person to sign for that money. There's one district where half a million dollars, Zimbabwean dollars, was given to people, right? By an individual, uh, those which were in this quarantine centers for transport, Right? And they did not sign against that money. So the person took the money, you know. So, so, so this is not acceptable. In fact, this is the highest level of decay when you talk of corruption in Zimbabwe. And this report is an authentic report which explains to you that the level of corruption has become dangerous now. You see why, why I'm worried, even my last comment. It has gone to the officers and it has gone to the grassroots. It's very dangerous. It has become a cancer because it's now cancerous. Honorable Matteo, are you failing uh, as parliament, your role 
your oversight role as parliament. Professor Mgano here is saying that people are doing whatever they want. They're not being held accountable. Your role as parliament <coughs> is to hold governments accountable as well as to look out for people in your constituencies. As parliament, are you failing to do this? I would say uh, <clears throat> the production of this report actually shows that we are not failing uh, to do our oversight role. Uh, this report was produced by parliament for the, for the public to see uh, the rot that uh, was um, exacerbated during the COVID-19 funds. Now, I just want to go back to what uh, the professor was saying that, um, see, our role as legislators is to, is to make laws. So the PFMA, which he was talking about, the Public Finance Management Act, is very clear on how one manages public funds. So what happened there was that we then called in the the senior management in government to quiz them on on the report that we just made and they admitted that they had flaunted they had been flaunting of the pfma um which stipulates how you manage public funds uh, because it, or how you manage government funds money that is coming out of the consolidated revenue fund so they admitted that actually they flaunted that uh, those roles um, because this was an emergency situation uh, which was unplanned for and everyone was caught uh, by surprise and they also uh, alluded to the fact that um, <clears throat> during that the COVID time even the, their staff members were contracting COVID and had to be taken away so they gave us a lot of excuses did in, you take I think <clears throat> this is the point that Professor Mgana is bringing <clears throat> up did you accept these excuses as as acceptable then <clears throat> as parliament uh, it's, it, it's not our job to accept it, you see parliament we don't have arresting powers you know what we do if you look in the report we said this should be uh, we recommend that the house puts this to Zek and the mm. in, you know the ZRP and so forth so our job is to is to make them accountable but we don't have the arresting powers which is something that the public accounts committee has been saying over the years that when we have public accounts committee meetings we need Zach to be there we need ZRP because the, the amount of abuse that we see in government is preposterous you will know that um the public accounts committee was responsible for uh the sacking of all the zinara board you know the chitukutukus who were then arrested at the time the, the the finance director the chief executive left you know those who were giving themselves um 1000 us dollars per month just for their hairstyle the the management they were giving themselves um 4000 us for gym equipment yet zinara was actually paying for a sports club so that they go to the gym so those are the things that we exposed and we gave that report in parliament and we recommended to the police and to zach that these people need to be prosecuted and that happened and we have done exactly the same thing here that uh, we have also recommended to zach and to the police to look at our report and do the necessary arrests if necessary this is a business unusual. I'm Mona Lisa Dube. This program has been brought in partnership with the Community Alliance for Human Settlements in Zimbabwe. And we are reviewing uh, the Public Accounts Parliamentary Portfolio Committee uh, report that talked about how COVID-19 resources were abused uh, within the Ministry of Local Government as well as the Ministry of Local uh, of Social Welfare. Rather. Now, um, Public Service and Labor and Social Services. Admire, as a Community Alliance for Zimbabwe Settlements, um, you work closely with people in various communities <coughs> from your interactions did they know at all that there were available COVID relief funds that were supposed to be made available to them as people that were marginalized and people that were going through a tough time during that time yes by and large members of the community especially vulnerable members of the community were aware that there were COVID-19 relief funds that were being distributed by governments. And this raised their expectations and hopes mm -hmm. that their suffering would be alleviated. But uh, after knowing that there are funds which are being distributed by government, 
most of the people that we interacted with did not receive the funds. Mm -hmm. So this created a crisis of hopes being judged and uh, mm -hmm. that was very unfortunate. G give us a picture of uh, just how much marginalized communities to whom these funds were purposeful were actually affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Because just how much how much what to what extent were they going through uh this crisis uh vulnerable members of community were, grie were grievously affected uh by the covid 19 lockdowns you can think of uh members of society who, who survived <coughs> through informal livelihoods who operate small and medium enterprises mm -hmm. uh, the covid 19 lockdowns meant that they were unable to work so they were unable to earn any livelihood and uh, they looked upon government to support them and uh, this support was not forthcoming due to the abuse of COVID-19 relief funds. Right. We are taking questions, comments on our WhatsApp platform 0731-168045. So um, let's talk about um, the duplications. Uh, this is a question to, to either one of you. Uh, Honorable Mateo spoke about how there was duplicity uh, throughout this report, uh, people with the same ID, number, different names, etc. Does this not also speak to maybe the need to improve our technology as a country or that was just a wrong method of going about it? Prof. Ngana. Thank you. Maybe if you can allow me just to also add a comment on your previous question to my brother here. Yes. On how much these people were affected by COVID-19. I think people need to appreciate that uh, 2020, the year 2020, had, um, we had internal shocks of drought. We had a serious uh, devastating drought, and uh, which naturally because we are um, a community, a country which depends on agriculture. Now, you get into 2020 with a serious drought, and uh, in the same year you are getting into 2020, uh, with the COVID-19. So you have a double blow. External shocks and internal shocks. Right. Uh, and also, Honorable, uh, what worries me here is that even we are debating this money, how much people were getting, were supposed to be getting in the community? 300 other TGS. Right? Uh, which was, at that time, I think, uh, about three, 3 US dollars equivalent. If you use uh, the official exchange rate, actually. Mm -hmm. because at, the, at that time. At that time, because it was 1 is to 84, Right. So eighty-four dollars into three hundred is three dollars, effectively. So we are debating nothing here in, t in terms of um, the. How, I'm trying to answer your question on how these people are being affected. So you see, even from the programming, government was not even serious about what they are giving the people. You can't give people three three hundred dollars, and you even see now the issue of now distribution. If I am going to be getting this money through a net one line, right? We're not talking about the hardware now of the mechanism of distribution. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to make some movement from my home to a market where I can do the transaction. Clearly, any reasonable person would, would, would even go for 300 other TGS. Because you spend Maria Bas, which which as well. So we are saying this because we don't know again when we're going to be hit by another crisis. And we are not 100% out of COVID-19. So I know government listen to this program. <laughs> So, so from the programming, it has to be very uh, impactful and relevant because you can't move someone from a rural area. Because remember, connectivity is also a challenge. And the last point I want to mention on, on this distribution, why you also have these challenges. Let us be very practical as a country. When you are using selecting a service provider, the selected network. But we know that the available data from Portras points that Econet has got over 90% of mobile subscribers. So why are you going for a, a, a low, small boys when the big boys are there? You know, And now you see what's happening now. Real, reality catches up. They can't even distribute the money. And you are even recalling 59 million. The ministry is recalling 59 what? Million out of 89 what? Million. So it means we are joking. You know, we are joking as a country. We're joking. Now, look at the double. And you are very right. Some people are being given $600 instead of what? $300. Who is doing that? What, what kind of a soft system is that? Because if you are dealing with a, a mobile payment platform, it's programmed. So why is it failing like that? You see. And you also see, not beyond even the double, if you read the report, some people were given by officers different rates 
particularly those who are staying in quarantine mm. uh, centers, mm. they are given different money. There's no no authorization, right? No authorization has been done by the higher office, <laughs> and nothing has been done. And I agree with another boy. I think I must agree with him. So when we say that there's no uh, enforcement of the the act, the, 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 the act right? As we see in Kenya, I'll give an example of Kenya. They enforce it, and if you look at the level of fines, it's very punitive. If you imagine you're an officer, you have to pay 8,500 US dollars, and they enforce it. Then they put it behind the bars two years. And they, the people are afraid to, to steal in Kenya. But here, no one enforces that. I agree with him that the, the parliament role is to what they're doing, they're doing a good job. But we are addressing the whole value chain. Mm-hmm. of law enforcement because we don't want even the so, so what happens then i know that one of the recommendations or some of the recommendations that were given in this report is that um uh the, the ministry should communicate with intended beneficiaries and ensure that the allowances are dispersed within 90 days right within the time that the the report was tabled right mm-hmm. if it's got timelines that almost sound like ultimatums uh, another recommendation was there should be a forensic audit within 180 days and uh there's need for person of individuals right so again it sounds like this it's an ultimatum it's got a time frame what then happens during, <coughs> uh, when this time lapses if you and can, then what but before well, maybe he might ask what he might answer what happens but i want to deal with this recommendation to say what do you think will be three dollars three hundred years now because they're supposed to be dispersing today is 2022 right yes june eh? 16 june right right and we're talking about the money for 2020 which was three dollars in 2020 today is now below 50 cents so even that recommendation does it make any value to the person are you not joking in people's lives if i get that money now and i have to move to a place to get that money what am i doing so i still feel that this recommendation is okay in terms of the in terms of principles but it's no it's of no consequence to people's lives so even we are putting this recommendation we need to think about are we not giving a headache to people? Are we not joking with the people's life? And even the citizens, they're not looking at us as jokers. Honorable Mateo. Yes. Recommendations. Um, Prof. Mugano is saying they're not realistic in terms of where uh, the currency is right now. Maybe you can speak on that and then speak on then what? 90 days lapses, then what? Yeah, I think uh, the professor is very right. Uh, the money is, is meaningless now. But... Uh, Ours was a, a point of principle that um, if money was intended to be given to people, no matter how little it is, it has to go to those people. Now, obviously, um, that money is worth like, what, uh, 50 cents now? And for someone to go and collect that money, they'll probably need to spend more. So we know that that is probably not realistic and that money will just come back uh, to, um, <clears throat> to, net, to net one. But we're saying that we have to be principled to say that money has to still go to those um, people who are supposed to get that money. And in terms of what you're saying, uh, 90 day lapses, these are recommendations that we're giving. Mm-hmm. And um, we look upon the police to take action. Uh, the uh, Zimbabwe Anti-Corruption Commission to take action because they are the ones who have the powers to act now. I'll give you also another example. It wasn't just this monies which uh, were via telesa in in fact most of the abuse of funds was through um procurement so you know buying i, I stuff. think you indicated earlier by saying that it was yeah. issued to do with emergency it was last minute nobody had yeah. prepared for a pandemic across the world yeah. and they were trying to do things fast to reach the people i think that's what the report Absolutely. says uh, yeah. was the excuse that they gave or the reason that they gave yes nonetheless was that okay was that the right thing to do it wasn't the right thing to do i'll give you an example of what happened in guanda in guanda there is a company that was contracted uh, called apple ridge investments this company was paid 1.9 million uh which is three times the money that they had charged and then um so they they had been paid the same invoice three times now to add souls to injury they were also the following week paid about half a million so these are mistakes that are ridiculous so i quizzed the the permanent secretary in the, in the ministry to say what happened here you know how does one make such a mistake who is Apple Ridge, um investments and they say they have since clawed back their money 
from Apple But to my surprise, they also said we are still using their services. So it's it's just it's preposterous. But every and, year, um, yeah. I, I want to pose this question to you, um, mm. Honourable, as well as Professor Mgano. Every year, year after year, Auditor General releases this scathing reports about government abuse of funds they talk about lack of corporate governments year after year and i know that every time before she she gives the report for the year she talks about the recommendations that she gave the previous report and analyzes how many of them were actually put into place and half the time it's not even half of those recommendations so it's like a cycle we are like moving uh and i know it was the auto general's report that actually prompted the public accounts um to look into the covid 19 fund. so if this is happening year after year and Parliament, you are holding these people to account, so you say, so to what use are these reports if there is no action within the government institutions? Have you asked this question? Yes. Uh, so basically, we as Parliament have to do our job uh, in terms of Section 119 of the Constitution. That is exactly what we're doing. Now, it is left to the executive, to, to the cabinet, to the ministers. The ministers are responsible for their ministries. And for some weird reason, the ministers do not prosecute uh, their staff. Or Because in any other country, see, I have lived in the UK for 16 years myself. I was a director of policy. I tell you what, if this had happened in the UK, a lot of people, including the minister, would have lost their jobs. The minister, the PEMSEC, the senior management would have all been forced to resign and would have been prosecuted. But somehow, um, we don't do that. Our ministers, uh, they leave this, they read the reports and they do nothing. So this is where everything is dying. We need the ministers to take action and to ensure that their ministries are actually accountable. Now, they just leave them to go scot-free. And what do the police do as well? They leave them. They don't take action. So, uh, Amaichiri, the Auto General, is doing a lot of work and exposing corruption. In every year. Almost in every single ministry, in every single ministry, in every single local authority. But the, the fact is, nothing is happening to these people. So, this is the cancer that we have as a country, that we have embedded corruption. We have endemic corruption which is spreading and we're doing nothing about it we're just watching it and let it go and let it be every year we get these reports they come up in in june july the audit report for 2021 2020 is coming up now we know it's the same, same old thing and nothing happens Prof. Mugan, are we yeah. moving around in circles here? yeah yeah i think the the big elephant in the room there's no political will mm. there's no political will uh when when you talk of political will, we are now talking from the highest office, from the president's office, uh, going downwards. And I think um, this is very clear. If you, I can even take you to the budget of the Minister of Finance, uh, I think two years ago, he made a, a suggestion in his a, a, a proposal in his budget uh, to centralise uh, the governance and uh, oversight of uh, parastate or and state-owned enterprises to be within the office of the president. Uh, to make sure that the line ministers mm -hmm. are not having the authority of overseeing specific uh, state-owned enterprises and parastate house. Mm -hmm. Because naturally what happens, it begins from there, where a minister will be, the power of the minister can be measured by the, how many parastate house <laughs> and state-owned enterprises are he, under his or her ambit, right? Uh, this uh, proposal by the Minister of Finance has never been implemented and you, and you can't blame Professor Mtunwe for that because it, it is a proposal in the budget and therefore you need alignment by all line ministries. Why? Because they want to keep on holding on to those parastatals because they use them to siphon funds for their own political interest. So there's no political will in this country. And in, one, in many forums, when we talk of production in this country, I've argued emphatically that one way of arguing uh, of, of enhancing production is to er eliminate corruption 100%. And you make funds available. Because if you look at Madam Chiri's report, you see billions of US dollars which you have squandered as a country, right, because of corruption. Yet we cry of sanctions to the extent that even if we were not under sanctions, if we're going to be getting money from IMF or World Bank, we won't get the money which we have squandered through corruption. So we need to know what we are talking about and show seriousness as a country to say, 
Are we serious about the impact of sanctions? And what are we doing to ourselves? Are we not sanctioning ourselves more through corruptions? That's what we are doing. If we can afford as a country and as a leadership, as government, clearly to uh, disadvantage people who are vulnerable, who are who were attacked by a cyclone and dying, right? And they also ended in 2020 under serious uh, drought and they have COVID-19, their lives are cut, and we make a decision to give them three US dollars equivalent at that point, and then we didn't give them the money, we squandered it again. And the point which you raised, Honorable, where people were saying that um, these are social workers. Now, when you give an example of the Gwanda now, mm. there's no social worker, there's no office there. That money is now massive. Mm. Because it was at that time it was above the procurement, uh, the, the threshold of 10,000 US equivalent, mm. where one can make a decision. These are now senior principals, officers. And when you look at the example which you gave, uh, the one of uh, taking the uh, <coughs> donation, those are, not, those are not senior officers. It has nothing to do with accounting. It's clearly a, a cancerous system which has been sustained by the political office bearers, and there's no political will. Until and unless if there's a political will in this country where one can be arrested and be in prison, the only example which was arrested is Francis Guyanga, the former permanent secretary of Minister of Mines. And you can see that he, he was in the wrong basket. <laughs> it's not it's anything which we can take as an example that it was a clear demonstration of what of a, it's a clear political scores. Why are we not getting these people being arrested? There's no political way at all. There's a comment here from Fair Dinad. I hope I said it correctly from Zimri Park. Parliament has been writing tons and tons of reports and yet still no person gets arrested for corruption. The decay in Zimbabwe is just unbelievable. And then uh, JW in Kadoma says, uh, I did ask a question about if people actually knew anything about um, registering or if they received the funds. He says, I was away. I even went to the Ministry of Welfare and register, but nothing has come out here is in Kadoma and then I also have um, a message here from um, okay here in Southlands Park we saw political parties saw members compiling names after we paid them uh, two dollars whether those compilations re- reach the relevant authorities is another story now admire um, as a community alliance for human settlements in Zimbabwe what do you say what would you say is the way forward uh, we definitely need to strengthen systems for disaster response in Zimbabwe mm-hmm. uh, this adhoc uh, method of dealing with disasters that are to be used in dealing with the COVID pandemic COVID-19 pandemic show that we have got inadequate systems to deal with the disasters and that's a worrying factor mm-hmm. well, Zimbabwe we definitely encounter more disasters and emergencies going forward mm-hmm. so uh, recommendation is that we need to strengthen the management of disaster funds and then maybe uh, incorporate civil society businesses and other stakeholders into the management of disaster funds mm-hmm. to ensure transparency and accountability I'm very much worried by uh, benevolent actors like corporates and individuals who donated to the COVID-19 disaster fund what would they be thinking if they hear that their funds were misused, mismanaged, or abused? Mm-hmm. It's very worrying. <coughs> when the next disaster strikes, we'll be expecting the same corporates and individuals to donate to government's efforts to sustain vulnerable communities. And as civil society, have you been involved by, uh, by government authorities in actually coming up with these disaster preparedness um, methods that you speak about? Yeah, on a certain level, we are involved in the information dissemination about uh, COVID-19 awareness, how to prevent and manage COVID-19. That was it. We are not involved in the management of the uh, COVID-19 funds or relief funds, uh, even in the procurement of COVID-19 PPEs and other supplies. I don't know of any civil society organization that was involved in such key and critical processes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honorable Mattel, yes. I know the report talks yeah. about recommendations and mm-hmm. gives uh, you know, points of what needs to be fixed. But on this program, I also want to pick your brain as well. Yeah. What, what would you say is, is the way forward? There's a message here that came on saying that Parliament keeps writing reports mm-hmm. and we are not seeing what is coming out of those reports. So what is the possible way forward? 
the possible way forward is government needs to get its act together that is uh first and foremost um government needs to follow the laid down procedures we have the public finance management act which i talked about which stipulates how public funds must be spent how procurement must go the level of accounting that is needed we have these documents already we have good legislation which is obviously going through review now but it's good legislation that we have in this country but the problem is it's just not been followed and uh, uh, like the professor said there is no political will to rein in on these offenders um you would also note that um staff from the report staff were paying themselves about 320 in some instances a day um and on top of that they distributed the donations among themselves yeah yeah they were, they were paying this money paying themselves allowances per day in those quarantine centers about 320 while eating the food as well that is coming to those quarantine centers and taking it home so uh, it's just a systematic abuse of office and um we need these ministries to actually take action against these officers but um obviously like i said you know it all goes back to the top if the minister d does not see it fit for their officers and their staff to be prosecuted or to be brought to account then we're wasting our time because no one will do it there's a message here that says we first have to deal with corruption eliminate it and everything will go well no one can help corrupt countries that actually leads me to uh, my next question prof mugano the world is watching the government is on a re-engagement drive what are the implications yeah that's a very good question uh, thank you for that i always tell government that uh, when we um trying to engage investors we we have a challenge that uh, investors uh, before they even come here they look at our report card uh, there are global indicators on the country uh, specific performance uh, indices and one of it is uh, transpa perception on corruption uh, which is uh, uh, measured by transparency international right uh, zimbabwe <laughs> plays around 173 out of 176 for the last 20 years are you with me? Mm -hmm. One seventy-three out of what? One seventy-six. On the position, so we are number three from the bottom, right? And if it is your child, we have gone to school. You know, in the rural areas, we used to when we come to school with the report card, they used to if you do well, they will kill a chicken for you in the rural areas. And do you think you would kill a chicken for your child who is coming home at number one seventy-three out of one seventy-six? No. Clearly because you, you are not performing very well. So the perception about corruption is a major determinant in as far as attracting investment is concerned. So when you are engaging, you aren't engaging to go and decorate yourself in, 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 in Switzerland or in America. You want to bring investors. And the most effective indicator they look at over and above the ease of doing business and their competitiveness index is the level of corruption. So we are at the bottom for the last 20 years or so. So it is worrying. So we, it's not about how much propaganda we put on our local media, particularly the public broadcaster. It's about how we are known globally. And most of the investors don't even come here in any way. But they see your report card and they say, won't go there. That is why you see that since the turn of the new millennium, our investments levels in terms of contribution to this economy as a share of gross domestic product has remained flat at 1% of GDP. In 1996, where we were performing very well, our gross domestic, our investments coming to Zimbabwe was 25% of gross domestic product. But as we are getting 1% of uh, our GDP in terms of uh, FDI, uh, which is almost, uh, we are getting about 250 million dollars, not cash by the way. In terms of cash investments, if you look at uh, Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe mandatory policy report every year, every twice in a year, the figures we get about 40 million us dollars cash in terms of investment so out of 250 million dollars which you get in a year the other ones are commitments and or they come as machinery so that's why we have tight foreign currency situation in number of cases but how much mozambique is getting five billion dollars 
How much South Africa is getting $9 billion? How much Zambia is getting 3 to $4 billion? Mm. I have seen you on different forums where the, the minister is, where the government is, where you are talking about these things mm. over and over again. Mm. Is anyone listening? No one listens. No one listens at all. If, if anything, what I've seen in government, <coughs> I, I don't know why uh, there's too much um, ignorance or... Um, refusal to take ideas. We, we, we were the Minister of Finance is an example in uh, Victoria Falls in November talking about the budget and some of these things talking about and one example which I raised in Victoria Falls which we need to also check on uh, is the issue of the procurement of maize uh, 2021. 2021 we were told that uh, we had a bumper harvest right of 2.7 million ton of maize right do you know how much we imported in terms of maize 2021 according to minister of finance presentation i have the presentation from the minister of finance i was a discussant and i was questioning that we spend a hundred million us dollars importing maize according to minister of finance presentation right 2020 we had a serious disaster in terms of climate change a drought we spend 108 108 million dollars importing maize so the question is if we spend 108 million dollars importing maize in 2020 and the, where was the drought now with a bumper harvest we are spending 100 million again the question is where is the maize where did we why did we import the maize when we had the bumper harvest number two we were told gmb silos were full because we had a bumper harvest so where was the maize stored in <coughs> and did you even hear this year uh, the grain millers have secured 400,000 tons of maize from malawi because we have a serious what shortage don't mind this what the minister of, uh, of agriculture is saying that we we are food secure what is on the record which was confer- confirmed by, f- confirmed by the payment secretary uh, of agriculture when we were on the platform on monday is that true the private sector is importing maize do you import maize when you have surplus in your country you don't honorable mateo but are you asking these questions in parliament absolutely are, they, are yeah. you asking yeah. these questions Absolutely. I think um, he is very spot on. You, you would know that as public accounts, we actually quizzed this command agriculture. Do you know how much money we spend through command agriculture or how much we have spent? Billions. I'm talking about billions. The idea behind command agriculture was that we are self-sustaining. We make our own crops. We make our own maize. But now, like the professor is saying, we are actually importing maize for $100 million. Yet, we spend billions every year on command agriculture, giving our farmers. Do you know what happens? And, and this, is, this is shameful. I know a lot of people across the country who are actually getting inputs for command agriculture. And most of them don't even have farms. But they get uh, fertilizers. They get inputs. They have no farms. You see, so they, they also get fuel. So you are also giving fuel to the farmers who then sell it on the black market. You, so there is endemic corruption. As a, as a member of parliament, yeah. uh, we are, we're running out of time. As a member of parliament, what are you committing to do in terms of um, dealing with this corruption and lack of accountability? Mm. Because as a member of parliament you also have people in your constituency yeah. that you are supposed to be accountable to absolutely yeah so basically we are going to continue to expose any corrupt shenanigans that are happening in government which is our role to hold the government and the executive to account we will continue to do that whether there is will in the in the government to actually take action and arrest these people and combat corruption that remains with the executive but as MPs, as parliamentarians, we are going to continue to do our job exposing this corruption and letting our people know, the constituencies, the people who are actually bearing the brunt, the people who are actually suffering, who have nothing to eat. You know, cooking oil is now $7, $5, whatever it is, it's now very expensive. Most families can't afford basic food. So these are the people that we keep telling that this is the situation in the country. We are trying our best to expose the corruption that's in government. But then there has to be the political will to actually prosecute and do something and nip it in the bud. All right, Professor Gunn, I think you're the only one I didn't ask this. He spoke about political will. What is your other way forward? You know what? I I think what is very critical is that uh, we just need to also have... Um, citizen involvement in this matter 
it's a pity that uh, sometimes when people want to do demonstration which are constitutional uh, you then see black boots on the streets. Before you go there, uh, Professor Mugano, speaking mm. of public participation, we've been receiving reports on there has been a call on the budget preparations for, I think, for the fiscal policy that is upcoming. And the numbers of people that actually show up uh, is very dismal. So there is... Because, because they, you know, you're not talking public participation in terms of uh, contributing to decisions, right? Right. And you tell the same ministry and same minister who is not taking the points on board. For example, you're asking me, ministers, do you tell them, we told them to stop command agriculture, to go for a market-led economy where there's value chain financing, so that you don't waste money and allow people to do corruption. They ignore. So if you come, if even advice, if you come to me every day and you're consulting and I'm giving you advice and you do the same, do you think I'll give you advice several times? So don't blame people sometimes for not participating, particularly in terms of giving you inputs. Even some of us who are now questioning ourselves, is it still making sense to continue to advise government, which is not listening? Because you look like, you know, you, 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 you have an agenda beyond the economic trajectory of the country. So we are getting tired at the end of the day. But I was talking about it clearly, you know, in other countries, which, like in UK, they demonstrate, and it's not a problem. To demonstrate to the government system must stop corruption. Maybe that's how they can hear. Because if the members of parliament have exposed it, like this is a very good paper they've produced, do you want them to cry? They can't do anything. The only thing one people have to do is to say, can we have this in place? In the UK, they demonstrate for a minister to go, but you can't do it because there's oppression. So these, we have limited instruments to deal with the corruption. That's why sometimes when I talk about these things, you know, it, the, when you look at economics and politics, um, there are two sides of the same coin. That's why some of us will say, look, maybe people need to be wiser when they are voting next time. Uh, because certain office bearers must not be retained. On that note, we wrap up this conversation that was brought to you in partnership with the Community Alliance for Human Settlement in Zimbabwe. We were talking about the COVID-19 relief uh, uh, investigation report that was released by the Public Accounts Parliamentary Portfolio that shows that there were a lot of resources that were not accounted for. My guest this evening, Professor Gift Mugano, who is an economist as well as an executive director at the Africa Economic Development Strategies. I was also joined by Honorable Kasten Mateo who is a member of parliament for Marondia Central and Admaya Motize, who is the research information advocacy coordinator at the Community Alliance for Human Settlements in Zimbabwe. We hope to have more of these conversations. And that's all we had time for here on Business Unusual. I am Mona Lisa Dube. Stay with us here on ZFM Stereo. Business Unusual, separating economic facts from fiction.